but one thing that I like I always say to myself like I always think like why am I doing it you know what's the reason it's got to be bigger than myself you know um, I want there to be a distinction in the work that I do you know and obviously I think I feel like God it gives me opportunities and I don't want to let him down and so um, one thing that I constantly say is like nothing's more important than love Hello, and welcome to Beautiful Failures Podcast. This is Andy Real, And I'm Stephen Keach. And this is a show where we interview creatives about failures in their life and career that help propel them where they are today. Welcome to episode six of Beautiful Failures. This week, we have a conversation with Squint. Squint is a director and photographer. He considers himself a visual composer over many different formats. He's worked with everyone from Michael Jordan to Michael B. Jordan and everyone in between, including Nas, D'Angelo, Jay-Z, Steph Curry, and many others. We talk about him growing up in the Bay Area and still working there today. We talk about how love is his North Star and his life and business and how he puts building genuine relationships over everything else. Enjoy. Welcome, Squint. We like to usually start with like a little story. Uh, Squint and I initially met through a creative entrepreneurial group called Studio, and they used to do like it was all around the U.S. and they used to do these like one-on-one where they pair people via Zoom to like have these little like breakout sessions um, to just talk about being a creative and. Um, and whatnot. And Squint, I don't know if you remember this, but you were the very first person that I was paired with at studio. <laughs> and I'd, this is bringing a little bit of flashbacks uh, because we usually just talk, you know, through through text or Instagram. But um, I have very fond memories of studio. And in many ways, it kind of influenced this, this podcast. Um, but yeah, great to chat again, man. Welcome. And um, yeah, where, where are you at right now? So I am in the Bay Area in my my beautiful home uh, <laughs> in Silicon Valley, uh, um, but yeah, I'm I'm just enjoying this nice weather where it's raining like crazy. Um, you guys oh. look like it's nice and sunny and beautiful, and we're storming and we had snow for the first time. Um, I think in my entire life, so it's been a wild journey. Crazy. So oh, you did you grow up there? Yeah, I grew up in uh, Palo Alto, California. Nice. I'm a Palo Alto native. Bay. I feel like the Bay keeps it real. Would you say it's, that's accurate? Squint growing up there, the Bay keeps it real. Um, yeah, you definitely can tell when a person's from the Bay Area. There's a certain sense of pride. Um, I love the Bay. Like I, I always say this. Like if anything ever happened to the Bay, I would probably die just because I love it so much. It's very diverse. Um, I mean, it's really a home of innovation. So there's like a lot of startups and seeing uh, the start of a lot of these companies, like from the jump is, it's just been a blessing. Um, and it's really helped me like on my hustle and how I position myself as an artist. Hmm. What was it like growing up there? Because that is like wild to think about like growing up there from, you know, that time to where it's at now where, um, you know, tech has essentially taken it over, which is, which is probably good and bad both, you know, there's positives and negatives, but what, what, what was it like growing up in the Bay? Um, growing up in the Bay was, I would say like, it was cool. I mean, I'm a huge Niner fan. So like, um, 
you know, we, we were winning uh, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s a lot. And so yeah. uh, we had the Giants. You know, we have a certain sense of pride on the teams that are here. Um, and just to see, like, this transition of, like, um, I guess you could say, like, the start of, like, Apple and, you know, all these different companies. Um, it was always cool because our schools were always, like, the first to get the new technology you know? And so nice. that was always interesting. And I didn't realize like how fortunate we were until like you leave the Bay area, mm-hmm. you know, you, you kind of see things. And so, um, I really enjoyed it. You know, like I love it. I didn't leave. I've never left the Bay, you know, like I've always lived here. I've traveled a lot. So I think that yeah. kind of justifies and kind of balances it for me, but I love the Bay. I built so much here. My family's here. Um, and I'm just a huge, like, ambassador for the bay like um i don't have that title that's an e40 title he owns he is the true ambassador but i'm definitely a, a liaison and whenever people come here i'm always finding ways to connect them to allow them to have a good experience you know for sure what was your first apple product memory mine was when my family got the apple 2gs i remember opening it up <laughs> and i I'm distinctly what's your first apple product memory uh, I would say like the early, I, I don't necessarily know the names, but yeah. like obviously when Oregon Trail was pretty big, yep. you know, <laughs> that was TGS and then <laughs> yeah. the Mac after, um, with like the smiley face, every like, yeah. classroom had that that's ingrained yeah. in my mind. But, yeah. uh, what was so, the first one that came out that had like the, the like color plastic thing? That was like, that would have been, uh, I don't want to mess up the dates, but probably like more like late eighties, early nineties. But that's Man, when that's when yeah. Steve like started to really implement design into the product for the first time. I had a rich friend that had one of those, <laughs> and I was like, "Man, this is cool!" Like, because we were still functioning on the the DOS, like the little green light that for flashes, sure. oh, and yeah. all you could do Absolutely. is type commands into it. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Squint, um, listening to some other interviews you've done, is it true that you like started? doing this at like eight years old <laughs> is that accurate or did i did i hear that <laughs> no that's that's yeah I've, I've been in this like this is definitely uh my destiny so uh okay. and how it all be, how it all began like uh, i would say my mother like introduced me into like photography um mm-hmm. and but before photography i was in cinematography so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. school board like it's it's funny because it's almost like i am a cinematographer or a director turned photographer so hmm. i worked for a public uh a local public access channel and it all happened from like a friend's mother was a producer of a show and so you know i was hanging out with them and she's like we're running a little bit late can we just take them to the studio with us and we'll drop them off after and so um that day someone didn't have um one of the camera operators they didn't show up and so i'm like a little kid and they're like <laughs> Uh, it's very easy to learn. You know, they taught me how to pan in headspace, three space, you know, like they showed me like the whole thing, headsets. And I loved it. And I mean, like, yeah. this is like, we had like, I mean, you had the steering wheel, you know, yeah. oh, I know. operate the, I know. you know, so this is yeah. massive camera. Um, and I did very well and, and I loved it so much. And every, what, every Tuesday for about 10 years, um, I would go there and produce shows and I eventually like went from um producing it you know leading like the control rooms and the booths um to directing it and then even like 
hosting it and we like won awards and stuff. So like I getting that kind of experience is the best. What so, what kind of what kind of shows were you doing? Uh just like local uh stuff for like my church. Um That's and awesome. then we would do because we were like young kids and you know extremely naughty like we would do like fun parody you know yep. videos and things like that and so uh but it was really cool and i think just the energy that we had and uh shortly after that a lot of my friends started to follow and like i said like i did not leave there uh i, I spent 10 years working there and so imagine by the time i'm graduating high school going into college i have 10 years of experience of producing and running the show you know from you know q and in cg uh music selection like it was i was very hands-on you know so that is awesome that's wild so it's like a secondary school um in education almost which is i mean to me that's the best way to learn doing um production is just being on set so having that consistently every week is amazing what do you remember like obviously you do like being eight years old like do you remember like you're like your feelings <laughs> like, what? like were you intimidated by the camera or were you just like like want to jump right in like what was like do you do you remember that like that period of your your life being a super young yeah kid? I'm, i mean I, I would say just to be honest like the first time i ever struggled with it was like the first day yeah. and when i found when out like eight. how easy it was yeah and, yeah and then and i mean these things were huge yeah. so you know yeah, there's yeah, some to it. And- <laughs> yeah you yeah. know and and so um, but the fact that like, I was able to, um, it's like, it's very similar to like the stuff you see, if you see like the behind the scenes of like a Jimmy Kimmel or, yeah. um, you know, Jimmy Fallon, like those cameras. So they were yeah, massive yeah. and TV studio cameras. Remember, yeah. And I remember we had three of them. And so, um, you know, when you, when you're like the lead camera, that's like amazing. So I was doing that. I probably said I graduated from like, you know, camera C or camera, you know, third option to person around like 10 years. And I just really started getting it. And I was really committed. I think, you know, it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like we had to be there every Thursday. Yeah. Um, the Thursday and Tuesdays, but once a week, I know. Yeah. Um, I was so happy that I was like, I'm, I'm so committed to this, you know? For and sure. so I never really was intimidated, you know, but that yeah. was like the first time. Yeah. I remember the first time, like I, one of the early times like operating a camera for me would have been a camera like that as well but also um on that same set actually like shooting um like bts with like a dvx and not even really knowing how to operate a dvx and like holding it out like outward and looking through like the viewfinder like without it being against my face like I, I i mean that sounds so stupid saying out loud but i mean i think <laughs> when you don't know any better you sometimes just like pick up the camera and like go and just do things your way but i think that's like one of the, the best ways to learn oftentimes and um yeah that's cool yeah i mean i feel like even when it comes to music you you have to oh, learn yeah. doing like yeah i i had you know a bunch of friends that were going to school at the same time i didn't go to school for music or for recording or anything and like you know they're learn they're in classes learning about all this stuff but then when they get in front of a computer or get in front of a console or whatever it's like okay now now what do i do and it's like well this is the the life 
experience that you need to get you to that next level. And yeah, I think that's really cool that you had that like for 10 years, man. That's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. And, and, and then like, you know, I like we when we were growing up, like we didn't have cable. So yeah. we would watch like a lot of like KQED or a lot of different like Marty Stauffer. So like initially my, my dream was even to this day, I would say my dream was always to like do um wildlife documentary. Cool. And so that approach was like that was always my goal. So hmm. anything that got me into cinematography to learn the skills and the technique. Um, and just the discipline of like how the product of the, how the actual tools work help, but that was always my goal. But hmm. you know, where I live, I didn't really have a lot of animals around me. So I just started shooting. Um, when I, when I transitioned into like photography at like 10, I would say, um, 10 years old, like, yeah, 10, wow. 10 years old. Well, I mean, I was doing photography then, but I was also like, 10 was like, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. Like mm-hmm. I'm locked in, like this is the direction I'm going. Like I want to focus on visuals and um, I started implementing and capturing people as if I were like out in the, you know, the depths of like Africa or, yeah. you know, all these different places I was study or Antarctica and things like that. So hmm. what was your, what was your camera at 10 years old? What were you using? Ah, oh, man, it was like uh, my mom had, and this is funny, like she had like this purple, uh, I, I want to say it's like a one, it's a one thirty, one twenty, where um, it's like the the ones that you would like bring to like your amusement parks. You look through it, you know, yeah, um, yeah. very square, you know, yeah, yep. yeah. It was, it was one of those, and then eventually I got uh, a Nikon, uh, like a little spring camera. Had some friends chipped in and got me, and then um, when I was fourteen, I got a job to buy my friend's Nikon N50. So, mm-hmm. you know, 800 bucks. And mm-hmm. then uh, I only got the job to buy. I was literally going to get the job, quit after I bought the camera, but then it's like, oh, you have to buy film. So there you go. I ended up staying, <laughs> you know. Which is those- such a different way to learn, like, you know, as a 10-year-old kid with X amount of photos per roll of film and then having to wait to get it back is such a different way to to learn photography (laughs) like what's your what's your like what do you feel like that process like taught you like learning on film essentially um i mean it's it's something that i use to this day you know like um i remember like the first time i went to europe i brought like 19 rolls of film and Mm -hmm. um you know you have to be good you know like you have to like understand like these shots have to mean something especially for me like it was always a gauge so like i always learned like lighting source you know like even even now like i always look for like proper lighting source and approach it to a certain like that's my approach um but you know you got 24 shots you know yeah. and a good day you might get a 25 or if you you know you buy a 36 roll so you have to be disciplined and so you know, I was always mindful of that. And when I went to college, I didn't have a lot of money at all. Like I was had friends that were like giving me supplies for um because I went to art school. So we would you're thrown into your your um your field immediately. And so I wouldn't have like developer, I wouldn't have like certain things like buy paper, but I couldn't buy like, you know, the emotion for negatives and things like that. Or or the developer. So 
friends were always helping me out. And so I was always like, hey, I got to take this series. So if I ever snapped, um, I was very mindful of that. And the, the dope thing is that kind of discipline helped me as I got older because I shoot so much. So, you know, most people just rattle off the camera with the digital and, you know, they'll be like, oh, I got 20 good shots. Like, as for me, if I shoot 500, there's a high chance that, like, anywhere from, like, 350 to 400 are going to be actually good shots. So, um, because I've disciplined myself to be very mindful of what I shoot and how I shoot, you know? Yeah. I think it's similar to, like, anybody coming up with, like, having to shoot, like, 16 mil or 8 mil film. Um, you got to plan your shot list a lot better, <laughs> you know, you got to plan that shot list. Um, it just goes into the limitations are a, a creator's best friend, right? Like when you have those limitations, you learn to use them to your advantage and like, you're not wasting time. Just like shooting every single little thing, you know, exactly what you're looking for and you're going to, you're going to go after that and you're going to see it all the time. That's yeah. And Squint's shot like every single musical artist and athlete you can think of. Talk 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 us like briefly like your your how did you transition into to coming up doing cinematography to uh, doing those those photographs? Yeah. I, I think the transition for me like my mom had like a super 8 camera that she had gotten mm -hmm. when she was a little girl and so we had that in the house, but you know, that's, that was a lot harder to do. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I kind of transitioned into photography. It was like a merge, you know? So mm -hmm. I used to do like a lot of painting. Um, then I used to do a lot of sketching and drawing, and, but I only could do it when I was like emotionally like stressed. Like if I was really, really mad, I would like do like some really dope images, but like if I'm happy, it's <laughs> hard for me to uh -huh. sketch. And so, um, painting got too slow for me and then I transitioned into the door like photography. Um, and I mean, it's weird. Like I, I was always a huge fan of music, like always as a kid, like I always was really big. Um, and so I remember like, um, I used to listen to like a lot of like Nas and Maxwell and Method Man. Um, and so I, always dreamed about like shooting them so at 12 i wrote like a list of like and i remember this list like i have it somewhere um but like the first person was like um nas second person was like maxwell third person was method man then like michael jordan alan iverson and so on and so on and that's how i like really got into it so i would sketch pictures of like hey you know when i'm um you know what i might even have yeah, find that list, man. Find no, it, even if we I got a cut. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I, I think I have, like, photos. Oh, saying, that'd be rad. You want to yeah. see it? Give me one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. hold on Thanks, one So this, this is the image I, like, drew of Maxwell. When I was, like, okay. 12. Oh, whoa. Nice. You drew that when you were 12? Yeah. And so I would, like, always draw, like, certain artists. Yeah. And I would say, you know, like, Method Man. <laughs> this is crazy. But, like... Oh, wow. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, as a kid, I would I would always say, like, hey, you know, when I meet them, I would shoot them like this, you know? Um, okay. And I would, and so it's almost like storyboarding the shots and thinking about, like, the type of shadowing I want to have and things like that. And so 
but I was always like locked in. And as a kid, like I knew I was going to beat them. Like I always knew, like, wow. you know, I'm going to work with them. I just didn't know how. I didn't really know the process of it. But like I was always like, be ready. So when you're able to, when you see them, you know, so like it's funny. Like if you can see, like this is yeah. Nas. Yeah. He, he signed it. Nas. Yeah. Nas. You know, it's like, the different things that I, over the years of just dreaming. And even now, like I still make lists, like every year I'll, I'll make a list of people that I want to shoot and, you know, hope that happens. That's, yeah. that's so important. Uh, last episode we did, we talked about the importance of like, actually, um, last episode we talked about the importance of like writing things down and almost, I hate the word manifesting, but like, you know, like writing stuff down, like a lot of times can bring things to life. If that if that makes yeah. any sense and like whether it's goals or just like projecting um your own like vision for your life or whatever that looks like and the importance of that um in my life a lot of times like writing stuff down is usually the beginning of stuff potentially happening but like what was inside you as like a teenager growing up and listening to like 90s hip-hop like what was inside you that told you that you're gonna like work with these artists like what was that do you think <laughs> i don't know like i that's yeah. actually a, like great question i never yeah. thought about that yeah but like i was always like a master dreamer you know like uh -huh. i was always like that kind of kid where um you know i i wasn't like i don't know i just always knew that there was more and so i always thought like you know what can i give people you know so like if i ever shoot them or work with them like my dream was always like to give back. I'm like, uh, I really love giving. I love finding ways to like allow my gift to like really impact and bless people's lives. And mm -hmm. so for me, it's like, I just always thought like, man, if I were around these people, you know, the gratitude, it wouldn't be like a super fan. It would be more like, man, what can I contribute if I'm around them and show them the appreciation, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's weird. Like the, the type of people that I dreamed about, like working with or connecting with, and having like relationships, you know, and then like I, I would I noticed like my favorite one of my favorite photographers is Gordon Parks, and he was the same way. So like he was, people loved him so much. Like Malcolm X, um, adored him that he allowed him to be the godfather of, to his children. So mm -hmm. you know, it's it's almost like that hand in hand thing when we have responsibility and we're telling so much truth that people feel safe with what we provide excuse me and um yeah that's always been like something big you know it's just like i really want to impact these people's lives and um hope that i can contribute to that journey you know man that's such a cool way of looking at it because i don't know i feel like i don't know i always had the idea of like oh i don't want to bother them or like oh i don't know or oh i'm not on their level so i yeah. can't do that and it's but it's so true. Everybody has something to impart. Everybody, like, if you if you are fully yourself, you have something to give. And reframing it from, like, what can I take from this person to what can I give to this person and how can I impact their life in a positive way? And that's just, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's, like, definitely um, looking at past just the job and you know yeah. like um and honestly like on the flip side you're getting better photos because the best 
way to capture someone is is you know making them comfortable in their space and and capturing the moments within that environment that that you've more or less like helped instill so yeah what's the what's the craziest one man what's the craziest person you photographed or um filmed that you kind of had to once you once you stepped away from that you're like whoa like who who was it who's that who, who's that who's that person for you that like how like in a good way yeah, yeah like that you're like i just looking like looking through the viewfinder or the camera and like snapping that photo you're just like whoa this is crazy <laughs> who's that who's that person for you um i mean I, I i i mean i would have to say like the first four people you know like i remember when i shot nas yeah um i was the only one like he was you know doing a tour I was the only one shooting and I was so like, I was screaming in my head, like, oh crap, I'm shooting Nas, you know, like <laughs> he's, and, he, and he's like, you know, doing Elmatic and all this stuff. And then after like, we go in the back, um, <laughs> we meet like his brother and, you know, it was like a really dope experience. And uh, the wild part about it was like, I remember I like, had this jacket on and I was like, I love the jacket. I was like, dang, I'm taking a picture of Nas for the first time. I got to take this jacket off because I can never wear this jacket again. Like I, I really liked it. <laughs> so I, I took out the jacket which is so dumb but yeah. i was like because i you know like i have this thing like if you wear certain clothes and certain images sure. once you post that photo you're done with it like you can't, sure. you can't sure. wear it anymore and yeah. so yeah. um but not nah, like that was one i remember like when i first was fortunate like i was going to a basketball game at the barclay center and literally like the week before i was like man it's the first year of the barclay center and it opened up I was like, man, I really want to shoot Maxwell. I really want. I, I was like, I really want to go to, to the Barclays Center. And then, like two weeks later, I get an invite to go over there and shoot. Right, mm -hmm. so I'm waiting, and like, um, it was one of the like Jordan brand classics. And so, I was thinking I was going to meet Michael Jordan. We're running late, so I'm kind of like pissed. Like, dang, I missed my opportunity. Like, meet Michael Jordan. I was like pl planning which shoe I was going to wear. Like all that kind of crap, you know. And then like we're waiting in the back, and I'm like, well, what's the holdup? Like, and so someone touches my shoulder and it's Maxwell. And it's like, man, by any chance are we related? And I was like, what the crap? I was like, oh my gosh, it's Maxwell, right? So I immediately, I was like, I have to shoot you. I don't know. I never thought I could find him because he's, you know, he's so mysterious and, and so, um, so private. And so, um, it was just a crazy experience. So I photographed him. Um, and like, that was like a moment for me. I was like, oh crap. And then like, uh, yeah, like in action when I was like photographing, like I have this one shot of Method Man. I'm going to be like releasing them pretty soon. Mm. And it was just a beautiful, like he's like over the crowd. And like while I was shooting it, it was like, oh crap, this is this is you all I need. It. Like I never, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. um, I would say like, um, was it last December or the December before? Um, I flew out to Florida and I was fortunate to photograph Michael Jordan. And like, this is my third time shooting them. Mm -hmm. um but like not like this like this was it you know and so i was like screaming in my head like even now like sometimes i wake up and like oh crap like <laughs> i never have to photograph michael jordan again because i got the shots that i wanted you know mm -hmm. that's crazy man that is another that's another level right there i mean here's a quick word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by smokers abbey don't smoke but if you do Go to Smokers Abbey. They have a wide selection of cigars, pipe tobacco, and much more located in East Nashville and Gallatin, Tennessee. Go now. Welcome to Smokers Abbey. 
where you can get the best smoke. All the smoke. I'd love to hear more about your process and we can come back to that. But like getting from the the eight-year-old kid shooting public access to photographing Michael Jordan, like where have you failed along the way and what have you learned <laughs> along your journey? Any any specific things that really stand out as like massive, like like stories or th things you've learned along the way? You know, it's weird because I, I'm very like disciplined when it comes to like my craft, you know, like I'm really like in that space, I'm very disciplined, but I think a lot of times I would experience like the failures is like trusting other people's process or trusting people, you know, where it's like, you know, you invest time working with people or invest time doing things just to be like let down, you know? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. that's where I think a lot of my failures came from and a lot of wasted time because you find yourself, and it just hits a dead end, you know, or, um, you know, especially when you work with like different brands and different people, um, the struggle could be sometimes they just don't see it, you know? And in my profession, I've disciplined myself. I'm always like anywhere from like 45 to a hundred steps ahead. So I'm always thinking of like rollout. So we, we've all been there in your earlier stages where it's like you do a job and you're just like a gun for hire, you know? And then, when the actual rollout happens, you're like, oh man, that's not what it was intended for. And so, for sure. you know, I evolved um, from working, just experience in publications and I evolved, I still get, you know, I started really studying, I got a job doing PR. And then that eventually evolved into like branding. And the dope thing is people will hire me for branding and hire me for creative, then I can hire myself as a photographer. I can hire myself um, to direct uh micro docs and things like that to, cool. to do the actual rollout of the product instead of just having people hire me and like take it from here we got it from here and they put like a crappy filter on it or yeah. you know right. so um but a lot of like i said a lot of my, my failures i would say would be just having the wrong people around you know that just really didn't understand the value of, of what i created you know or can't create you know what are some like practical ways you've like learned from that and like how have you combated that you know with with future clients and future jobs that you've had obviously you mentioned like kind of taking more of the creative director or brand strategy role yourself and bring yourself into to execute on photo video but like how do you continue to combat that with with bigger clients um i'm really good at like um processing like when people tell me no you know mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. i'm really good at that so like when people tell me no i kind of like use it as fuel you know mm -hmm. to to um kind of use that as a, a chip on my shoulder and just like let's go you know and so um it helps me to like make work that no one can tell you no i've had people tell me no of course you know and yeah. like that's like one of the things i kind of stand by is like I'll say no one, no one can tell me no is because I had people tell me no. And then and it's interesting. Like sometimes you want, I know as creatives, like we think every opportunity is the opportunity, you know, where it's like, man, I, I would love this. You know, obviously if there's a good incentive, um, but as I've gotten older, I realized, you know, 
I'm doing what's best for the longevity of my, my, I don't want to say career, but my catalog of work, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm more focused on that. And so, you know, I've had opportunities where, um, especially being Silicon Valley to invest in companies that people are like, nah, that's not going to work. And it just blows up, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so it feels good when you invest in something and see it blow up and, um, and all the people that told you no, you're like, man, you had an opportunity, you know? Like, I saw an interview with, like, Hulk Hogan talked about how he had an yeah. opportunity to have, like, the George Foreman girl. Um, yeah. They passed on it, you know? And it's like, you think about how lucrative that could have been, you know? And so that's kind of, like, my approach when it comes to just m- making sure I see the heart and the intention of who I work with, you know? And, um, and don't just waste my time, Um because I, money comes and goes, but like, will the work last and be meaningful, you know? And it sounds like you've always followed your gut, even from a young age and seen vision for your own career path and life moving forward. Like, would you say it's accurate? Do you, are you constantly following your gut and kind of just following what feels instinctually right for you? Like both I career mean- and creatively? No, I can't. Okay. As, as, as great as I would love to say that, okay, I think I've I evolved to that. So you you know you we've met where that's how I am now. But hmm. earlier I would wait on a lot of people, you know, and I think I spent so much time. But when I look back, the things that always took off is when um, I had more of the you know I was in the driver's seat, you know, and so it made it so much more easier. So now I mean. Me today, that's how I am. Where I, I know, like, like if I can go back in time, I would tell myself, "You were right." You know, like trust yourself. Don't mm-hmm. because there's a lot of, you know, it's interesting when you have people that were in these lead positions, um, whatever field it may be, um, and then they're no more. And like, this isn't a career for me. This is a lifestyle. Like, this is my lifestyle. You know, like I'm consumed with it. Like, I lose sleep over it. Like, mm-hmm. I dream of it. You know, like. Um, I've invested so much money in my own craft and skills and equipment so that I can learn to be better. Like, you know, like, um, like I have so many different cameras, um, and each camera I've grown like, okay, like I hit the ceiling, I need to do this. And so even when I do shoots now, I might have, you know, five to six different cameras on set just because I want to make sure I can get a different perspective, you know, but I know my process. So, um, but yeah, I think, I, I think I trust myself now. Like I know, I kind of know like, oh, okay, this is the right direction. This is how you should operate. You know, when you were getting those like early shoots with like Nas and, and Maxwell, like, did, were you knocking down, were you like kicking down that door or like, what did you have favor from like contacts you had, or how did you transition into doing more, um, celebrity photography? Um, well, you know what? Those were more like, hey, there's something happening. Can you come? And okay. then you're shooting, right? Yep. And so... And building the relationship those, from there. Yeah. So, and then those evolved, you know? And so, um, fortunate, I had friends that were, you know, that I, are some of my greatest friends to this day, you know, um, help with the process. And I think it builds trust with the artists. Um, but I, you know, um, but there are a lot of different other artists that I've worked with that 
we're like the best of friends, you know, where, and, and to be honest with you, like, I'm very mindful of like, <laughs> like, because in my head, I'm still a fan of them. So I can only go so far, you know, it's like, you know, they're like, don't meet your heroes. So I haven't had that spoiled, thank God, but I don't want to get to that point wherever, because then it would be like, oh crap, you know? <laughs> so I'm very mindful of that, but I really cherish. So when it's about, the music or what they represent or, you know, those spaces of where I operate, I'm very passionate and locked in, you know? And so, and I'm grateful, you know, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I've been fortunate to build a lot of relationships, um, that are meaningful and have some depth to them, you know? For sure. For sure. Have you had any like onset disasters or, times where things didn't click relationally or you don't have to name names, but like any like failures in the moment working? Um, I learned at a really early age that like, you know, especially when you're producing and I used to work like I used to work on set and do shows and events. Mm -hmm. So I kind of knew like how production worked. Mm -hmm. um, but at an early age, I mean, I'm saying like probably early early 20s late teens i learned that um schedules are meant to be broken mm -hmm. so you know you know like when you have productions like there's certain people that get on and you could tell their experience where it's like they're so boom 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 boom, boom. like every second matters and there's no room for error there's no room for like audibles and change and then when it happens it's a disaster and they don't know what to do mm -hmm. and so the more experienced people are like they're just looking for when the problem happens so they can meet the need. And so um, I think a mixture of that with like a photo, I'm a true photojournalist. So like, if you see a lot of my work is very like, it's like a documentarian, a historian, you know? So I'm constantly in these spaces at the mindset of like, hey, just be ready at all times. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I mean, I've had disasters where I've had, again, like maybe bad relationships that you kind of like uh, trying to preserve the relationship and not realize, wow, let's do good work, you know? Um, and it's like almost like uh, you do this for me, this will help them and it will help and eventually, you know, like, you know, that kind of situation. But um, I mean, I've had people I didn't like working with, you know, sure. <laughs> which is sure. like, I think we all have, but uh, I love those opportunities because then it's like, it positions me to say, okay, how do we avoid that? You know, like I have like a really cool team and a buffer to make sure like, is this something like, I, I've been fortunate, like the type of jobs I take now are like, are these things that I want to do? Does it fit into like my wheelhouse of life or, um, yeah, that's when you, that's when you, when you encounter those types of situations, like in the moment, do you have like a philosophy that you, uh, used to kind of like navigate that um do you end the shoot or do you keep going and you just uh how do you treat those scenarios um i this is gonna be i'm sorry if it's long drawn out what i'm about to say but like you know i had a like i i had like a doctor once tell me like i have a high tolerance for pain <laughs> so i can endure a lot you know um and so it's easier for me to maneuver. Like if I'm in a, a shoot, like I don't really rattle, I, you know, like I'm not, I, I really like, I used to be on sets when I was younger and I just never understood. Like 
seeing photographers like yell or directors scream and throw stuff. I just really did. And mind you, like, look, I was not that kind of kid, you know, like, so meaning like I'm nice. I'm incredible. But like, if you cross me, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I knew like, um, like one of my favorite lines on like, um, on like the Avengers is when like the Hawks, like they're like, you got to get mad. And he's like, the key is I'm always mad. It's like managing it. <laughs> you know? And so, so understand like where I can go. I would always like be cool and and because I understand like where where it can go and I never understood like why they would be screaming and yelling and throwing stuff so I never wanted to run that kind of shit like all my teams that I people that are on my team that I work with I always wanted to be a place where you remember the moment and it inspires you to work with me more and more so I'm always like building for the long play you know um, and so I'm very mindful of that. Um, but one thing that I like, I always say to myself, like, I always think like, why am I doing it? You know, what's the reason? It's got to be bigger than myself. You know, um, I want there to be a distinction in the work that I do, you know, and obviously I think I feel like God, it gives me opportunities and I don't want to let him down. And so um, one thing that I constantly say is like, nothing's more important than love. And so there's like, when you think about that and you prioritize it, sometimes like I was in a job one time where it was like, I gave, this is a good disaster. Thank you. <laughs> it made me think about it. Um, I was working on a project and I gave lead to someone else. Right. And it was more like being a nice guy. And it was, it was just a horrible situation to the point that like, it almost like, I think, it, I, I don't know if my rapport ever bounced back uh, just from giving this person not being reliable, you know? And I felt the urge to like, want to go off on this person and snap but there are other like crew members. And if I would have snapped like what they would have seen and I felt like would have lost them and I didn't do it. I held back. I wanted to like the urge was there because they were doing some like just shady stuff. Um, but I'm so glad that I didn't because the team that stayed with me is still with me to this day. Yes. And they were like, we'll get it the next time. Mm. And it was and, like, you know, like when you hear that, you feel like you're losing your shit. And your rest of your team comes like, nah, we'll get the next time. Like they're so inspired by the work. I was yeah. so caught up on like the little stuff, but the job that they were in, they loved it so much that they were like, man, like, um, you know, we're, we, we got this. So I, I love that. I love seeing that part. So. Hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. And we're only as good as like the team we have around us or the people around us. And yeah. I think it's like learning to build that team and build trust and continuing to use those people only creates like a good rhythm creatively and only helps put good work out um, for sure. So I'd love to hear like a little bit more about your process. Cause it seems like you have on like, wait, I want to, before we move on, yeah, uh, I really want to hear more about um, you said uh, that love is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, it's, that seems to have like a, a theme like in your life. Uh, how does that play out kind of in in your career so like you said that you um you said that you you want to be a positive impact in in people's lives and that was like a kind of a motivator for you like you know taking these these people's photos and stuff um yeah can you can you just talk about that a little bit more and and how that plays out in your professional career and and how you put that forward yeah um yeah you're getting deep so <laughs> um, yeah, but like yeah, I, yeah uh 
but that's why I love this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it starts when like um, being born on Valentine's Day. You know, like my mother oh, wow. said, like I was born to love, and so it's always been like a priority. You know, um, and as I started getting older, like like um, I wear red every single day of my life. Every single day of my life, you know, I, even though I'm wearing a yellow hoodie, like my undershirt is red, right? I like, I always wear that for my own, like, North Star to remind myself of, like, it's a priority to be like, man, whatever you're doing, make sure you're doing it in love, you know? And um, my mom would always say that, like, walk in love, walk in love, make sure, you know, she would always say it, it was so annoying as we were younger and teenagers, but as we got older, you start to realize it actually was a framework and guided me. And so, um, it's funny, like my favorite teams, like the Chicago Bulls growing up when Michael Jordan played uh, the Niners and, you know, red was always around me. And like, for me, that always like symbolizes a level of, um, it symbolizes, a, a, you know, to me, it's like love, right? Um, and so that framework has always been there for me, you know? And so um, as I got older, my mom would say like, you were born to love. So it's like, no matter how you feel, you have a responsibility to operate in which your purpose on this earth is. And so I feel like that's kind of like my mission, you know? Um, yeah. Even when I was like younger, I won like a ton of awards from like all over, you know, um, and prestigious awards at that. And, you know, I'm, I'm a young teenager and people would come to me and they would see my work and they'd cry, you know, mm -hmm. adults. And it's like, oh, that's kind of crazy. And you see like how it would be moving or when I'm younger, people saying, Hey, I'm, I really want to buy this photo. I'll pay you X amount, you know? And I'm like, well, like that's, you know, I, I was so scared. I wouldn't even sell the piece cause I didn't even know where to begin, you know, yeah. but just to see the kind of impact. And even now I kind of see something similar. Like when people see my work, I see that like emotional connection, you know, because it shows these people in a very vulnerable place, you know? Yeah. And so, um, I think I'm very grateful you know, to, to have those moments. And like, I've had some moments where, you know, people haven't been seen in 10 years. And then the first time they want to reveal themselves is through my, my lens and through my perspective. So that's always a joy. And I think it's hand in hand. And, you know, I'm what I really do my best to try to master relationships, you know, like I prioritize relationships over everything because yeah. if, if there's trust there and love there, um, access is just a byproduct, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. That's cool. And my, my question is definitely adjacent to that. It seems yeah. like a lot of your process is about building relationships more than anything. And it seems like a lot of your subjects that you've photographed over the years, you have like good friends, good friendships with at this point. It would, is that, would you say it's correct? Oh yeah. And, and I love that. Like people swear by you, you know, like, yeah, especially being in the Bay area. Like I was, you know, I, I saw a lot of different people that would leave the Bay and say, Hey, I'm going to go to LA. I'm going to go here gonna go to New York to pursue a career. And I was like, nah, I'm gonna stay here. Like, so if anyone comes to the Bay Area, because I understood like that, you know, it's like there's so many different people, the tourists and, you know, it's, and, and it's an incredible place. I think it's one of the best places in the world. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't fact check me on that. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna position myself whenever anyone comes to the Bay Area, they're gonna call me. And then it's like yeah. expanded. So if anyone comes to California, you know, they're in LA, which is like six hours away, they'll call and say, Hey, it's going, I'm in LA, I wanna work. And I'm like, nah, that's like six hours away. You know, but like yeah. it's gotten to that point um with those relationships where 
some people will, you know, alter their timelines or their projects because they only want to work with me. And I think that's just because of the comfort. And I, I know I've been blessed to do great work, you know. Sure. This is this is gonna <clears throat> well, yeah, we're I mean, we're getting deep. So uh do do you ever like because I know for me there's I want I want to put my all into every relationship. Um but you know having a family and and all that stuff like I, I have limits right i've got limits to like how how much i can put into each uh relationship um but do you ever like you know do you have a max uh of that like do you ever have to kind of retreat back and be like all right well i gotta uh, i gotta stop taking on relationships right now like do you ever have to kind of retreat or or are you somebody who can just get fueled by that that's a great question it's an incredible question hmm. um um wh what i would say is i think the people in my life have always supported like who i am and my purpose so my close friends family you know siblings mother grandmother um and just my they've always knew my purpose and so they've always supported me in that space and so um i'm one that prioritizes like my family and my family is everything like everything mm -hmm. so i have time for that um so if i give the world a certain amount of time i give my family even more you know yeah. so i don't want them to feel like they've missed me or um that they're lacking because the rest of the world is you know i've seen people sacrifice like i'm so committed to the mission that their family doesn't benefit and if you're dead and gone your family has to deal with the grief you mm -hmm. know and so um i'm very mindful and intentional about that um and yeah i mean I, I always have space because i i really believe if i'm giving you my all and you're not growing it's not a good relationship it's not mm -hmm. healthy and i'm helped I'm not the work. So if I'm, you know, I've, I've had people in my life where they're calling me 24 seven and there's no boundaries and it doesn't get anywhere. It's like, they're just looking for someone to drain and, and it's tiring, you know? Um, but I have friends that when they're in need, I'm there for them, no matter what time of the, the day, like, I, and I've, I've been fortunate to have that and there's a balance. And so um, I think it's important to understand that you know, and then, you know, sometimes you have to be discerning and, and use discretion on like, yeah. is there any growth here? You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like, you know, I can, I, I really don't like when I counsel people or give them advice or anything like that. And then there's no growth a month or two later. They're just right. coming back with the same problems. And sometimes it's the simplest things. And so I've learned kind of in a way to master how I read people, you know, mm -hmm. and see if it's worth it. And then there are people in your life that just you have no control over and you meet them and they change your world, you know? And so yeah. um, that's a lot of my team, you know, like I wouldn't have picked, I wouldn't even know how to pick my team if it were up to me, you know? And so I'm so yeah. grateful for the type of relationships and the type of how our journeys have crossed, you know? And so, and those are the people that change your life, you know, they give to you, they add fuel to you because of their appreciation and growth. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's almost like, it's like a father, like you see a kid, thriving or getting something and understanding you're like whoa this is beautiful you know i want to teach you more i want to give you more and so that's kind of like my approach you know a great question incredible question that's cool where did you learn this way of 
because not everybody has this way of thinking where they're so intentional about who they're, you know, putting their time and energy. I, I think it does come with maturity, but like who taught you along the way? Like who really instilled a lot of this stuff in you, like uh, professionally or creatively? My mom. Oh my gosh. Uh, my mom was like one of the greatest examples for me coming up as an entrepreneur. You know, it's like she was a stay-at-home mom, but she would get stuff done and very committed, very dedicated. Like I remember we were doing, like we were going on a camping trip and she was raising money. So like we were like collecting cans, right? And it wasn't like we were just going through garbage cans and things like that. But I remember our backyard was filled with so many cans. Uh, she was an amazing baker. Like she can, you know, she would, people were like, like she's so good. Like when we have like Thanksgiving, um, she we were bringing pies, and by the time it's like family, it's like two pies. And my mom's like, "Where are all the pies?" Like people would be putting them in their car and stealing them, you know. Like, <laughs> you know? And so, but but then she, you know she would sell certain things, and she would always do that. And so when we were younger, like we sell like popsicles and candy and things like that to help raise money to go on these camping trips or you know these field trips and things like that and so she was really precise with it you know um but that really helped me learn discipline but my mom also was a woman that was um or that is um is a woman of purpose so i remember like she got in a car accident and uh we're like in the emergency room and like she meets this lady and she's talking to her and then like you know she like prays for her and like all this crazy stuff. And then she gets up like, okay, we're ready to go. I'm like, uh, now nah, you might need to sit down. You know, but like, <laughs> she always showed me that wherever you are, you're, there's someone watching and there's someone, you know, and there was never a place on this earth that I could go that someone didn't know my mom, you know, or wow. she would make friends, you know? And so seeing that as an example, then my grandmother's the same way, you know? And so um, watching those beautiful examples and seeing how, um, people gravitated toward them, I kind of, it was just in me, you know, it wasn't something I looked for by no means, you know, um, I was really kind of sh- of a shy kid, but I understood like, dang, you can go into a room and you light up a room and people are drawn to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just because of purity, you know, I don't really have like an agenda. My my only agenda is to display love and, and hope that you're, you're blessed by me. I don't want anything mm-hmm. out of it, you know? How do you, we talked about this a little bit offline, but how do you, how have you been doing this for a long time? How have you, this is like cutthroat industry. There's a lot of people with a lot of agendas. We all know that. How have you combated that over the years or, you know, offline, we talked about um, trust issues that you've had um, with colleagues and um, talk a little bit more about that. Like how have you combated that, you know, coming at things from more of a pure relational place versus a climb the ladder type place yeah um i mean it's, it's very simple you know like when you when you're a master dreamer you don't worry about like the people that are in the way you know mm-hmm. like i i look at opposition as different like um you know I, I was saying that like i'm used to fighting giants and i've done that like if i were to scale back and show you uh this journey of the type of opposition and the things that I've gone against like companies or I mean, companies like corporations and things of that nature. Um, and always stood tall, you know, undefeated, just not by my own power. I, I believe definitely God has uh, guided me through that. Um, but you know, I never feel like I have to prove myself, you know? And yeah. so the trust issues when it's like a cutthroat industry, man, 
like my my mother would always say it's a lot of like shout outs to my mother you know that's awesome <laughs> I, i'm probably gonna i'm probably gonna call her after this and send her some yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah but it, but you know she would always tell me like don't burn the bridges because mm-hmm. you, you're going to have to go through them you know and so i've seen people that have torched bridges like i mean i, I had a business partner one time that i was giving them 50 percent of the work i was getting the work getting the money and just because I wanted to work with them. I was giving them 50% of my work and they just scorched the bridge. And then six months later, come back and they're like, Hey, I really want to work with you. I can't survive out here. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but you told me all this horrible stuff about my character, which wasn't true, but mm-hmm. really, you know, and so, um, you know, like those are the kind of things I de- dealt with. And I, you know, I really don't trust anyone, you know, like mm-hmm. I came to this inclusion in like 2015, 2016. And, what I realized is I reversed it. You know, before I was so trusting when you meet a person, you're like, oh man, they're best friends. And then it's like, as I started getting older, I started realizing, let's give everyone a clean slate. You trust no one, allow them to build that trust. Mm-hmm. So if they should fall, they can only fall from what they've invested into that relationship. And it's not, it helps balance my expectations. And so I'm so blessed now because the pe- I have so many people around me that I can trust because they've invested that into, you know, my, my personal bank, you know? And you're really doing them a service too. I mean, like when you give somebody too much trust at the beginning, uh, it's putting a lot of pressure on a relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, at least that's the way I'm, I'm kind of hearing it where it's like when you can start with a clean slate, and you can just put everybody you know let's let's just start on ground zero and we're going to build our way up like it's your responsible or your responsibility to take take care of yourself and it's their responsibility to take care of themselves you know what i mean and then you start to then you can start to kind of share responsibilities as you as you learn and they don't have to deal with the burden of letting you down and you don't have to deal with the burden of letting them down because you're starting from zero you know yeah. Uh, but I, I think that that's like almost like a reverse of how maybe even I function sometimes. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's like a really good, uh, lesson to learn. Yeah. I think it's just like, yeah, that's like building blocks to a healthy working relationship, which is, which is vital. And yeah. you really only learn yeah. time. but, um, it, well, no, sorry. no, because I, I mean, I was the same way for years. And like I said, like you, you come to realize and it's like, and you know, you spend years trying to like recover, like why did that happen? And you're trying to pinpoint it. And it's like, since I've reversed that way, it's so much easier. So when it happens, it's like, ah, oh, I can see. No, you know, it, it, it yeah. almost allows me to have like, um, I'm sober in the way that I'm viewing the approach and not like, you know, punch drunk love, you know, where it's like, oh man, yeah. they can do no wrong. And, you know, it's like, no, I actually can see, you know, clearly. And then it's like, oh yeah, they were that way. I can see that, you know, and, it allows me, and the thing that's so beautiful about that process is like when you purge unhealthy relationships, how much you can give to other people, you know, mm-hmm. and and uh, how much time you can spend um, dedicated to like the right people, you know, and so that's the thing that I love about it. And so I purged a lot, uh, especially during that time too. That's what I think kind of like led me to that place. But it was so beautiful because the relationships I got now are way better than what I've ever experienced. And so, yeah. But you're spending so much time, you know, around toxic relationships and people trying to figure themselves out. 
But really, it's just a place of uh, insecurity, you yeah. know. Um, and I don't think I am the person to mask that. I mean, I, we've all dealt with that, and especially in this professional field where people might be jealous because of the response that you might have, or you know, directors. Like I'm a very, I, I, I even when I direct films, I'm more of like a composer, you know. So I'm very mindful of like my team and put people in the right place. Yeah. I don't like to hold their hands, but I'm very meticulous. You know, yeah. um, very similar like Andy. Like you see his work, it's like, oh man, it's, it's mm -hmm. such a, a beautiful polish, um, and it's worth it. And I tell the team, like, look, we get over this and this position and you know this placement, it's going to really help us to the next job. You know, yeah, that's great. Uh, one thing we like to ask, and I think it's a great like segue, is like, what advice do you have for like young creative professionals and even young leaders, like whether they're uh, you know, first time directors or photographers leading a small team on set, like what advice do you have uh, specifically with people newer to the leadership type role? Um, I would say just stay humble, you know, like I think a lot of times I've seen a lot of these young cats, like it's interesting, like when you're in your 20s, uh, you do things for validation of people, you know, and mm -hmm. so I give the mic room for that. I understand that. But, um, you know, I see a lot of cats that are like showing little bit more than they need to because it's like look i'm doing the work but you know um i might get i don't like when people are like um i'm on set and it's just you and the camera it's not <laughs> set like you know like like Hashtag there's, there's a lot <laughs> yeah, the, yeah exactly right so there's a lot more to an actual set um are the call sheets <laughs> you know are the actors are there you know like is there insurance you know like things of that nature like the, the simple things um but I like I like the humility. I would say just continue to stay humble, you know, and be willing to be teachable. Um, and don't search for validation. I think that's a major downfall in the creativity of it because we're seeing these spikes and highs of like depression because people are posting things on Instagram and thinking that you get a million hits or yeah. you know, a billion follows or things of that nature. Or they might have a ton of follow follows. I know people that have a lot of a ton of followers that don't get hired. You know, and so just understanding that balance, you know, I started learning like some of my favorite photographers don't have a lot of ma uh, major um, Instagram followers or, yeah. you know, on social media, but they get all the work. So I would yeah. rather have, you know, the, you the wealth and, and the value and people constantly calling me because they love the work than to have all the followers and no one really hires you for, um, you know, placements or, you know, the jobs that the agencies are giving out. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. No, absolutely. Um, this has been great, man. This has been so good. So yeah, great. I really, really have loved it. We don't have to end it. I mean, I kill a lot of time, but no rush on my end. Where can we find you? What, uh, any, any, any like plugs you want to put out or, um, obviously like, uh, Instagram is like, I am squint, correct? Yes. And then, okay. um, my website is squint.co. Okay, um, cool. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, those are probably the, my best code is uh, squint. Um, but yeah, those, those are where I am. I have a Twitter. I, I, you know, I put it up and take it down every, every week. Uh -oh. So. <laughs> uh -oh. I'm not, I'm not bold enough to have a Twitter. Nah, you have to, make, you have to make such finite statements on Twitter. It's just, you're yeah. going to get, you're going to get verified. You're going to pay that eight bucks a month squint. Uh, I think I'm verified in life. So 
if I gotta go. if I gotta there pay <laughs> if I gotta pay that. I don't think so. Yeah, he's about to I think unverify people <laughs> in the next two weeks. Elon's gonna unverify every right. everybody and then yeah. But um I'm not verified. Anything coming out that you're you're super pumped about this year that you've been working on or any any projects to plug? Um I, I'm I, I don't know by the time this goes out, but I'm working on a new website. So okay. I'm excited about that to kind of like display the work. Um, I got a couple projects that I'm working on, documentaries and things, which I'm really excited about. So we're in development stages. Um, yeah, and I, I got my book. Well, I'm, it's not my book. It's my brother, uh, Tune Sabomahim, and um, my man, Sam, Sam Seidel, Creative Hustle. It's a book okay. that uh, we worked on at the D School, through, through Stanford D School. And so um, if you get the book on uh, creativehustle.com or dot .org, yeah, I heard uh, if you go to like chapter two, it's a pretty cool chapter. Hey, you know? yeah. so, <laughs> well, quickly, so. t- like, tell us more about that. I'm curious because I've seen you post stuff. I don't know it much about that. Like, what y- you're recently like in South by doing stuff with that, right? Like, what? Like, tell me more about that. Well, what what Creative Hustle is? It was a class that we teach it out at, at Stanford, and so okay. um, the class is incredible class. I think we're going to be doing a tour. Um, okay, and so. So this was um, a, a class at Stanford Uni- University for like entrepreneurs and creative professionals or like what? Yeah. And I mean, literally for everyone, you know? Okay. And so got it. Um, it's a it series of books open for everybody or just for students or what? Uh, both. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I think 40% students or 50% students. And, uh, and so, you know, we have people from all over the world coming to these classes and um, you know, Stanford, it's a series of 10 books. And so one of the books is creative hustle. And so I was featured. So I'm like fighting with them. Like, no, I don't want, you know, I'm very <laughs> private, you know? So I'm like, I don't yeah. be in this book. And so, um, so Tune is one of my best friends. And so I'm like, ah, fine. I'm in the book. Right. And then I'm such like a control freak, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, he's like, I was like, well, who's doing the photos, you know, like who's doing the art direction, who's doing that. And so, um, they didn't have anyone at the time. And so I asked some people at their suggestion. I was like, look, I would love to help and contribute. You know, they're like, man, we thought you'd be too busy. We thought you'd be too expensive. And I was like, look, it's more about the purpose of the the book. And I really loved it. I enjoyed it. I mean, you have some incredible, incredible people in this book um, uh, that, you know, that their stories and their journey. I mean, you got from Aisha Curry, Jadena, you know, you have Tessa, you have Sean Heder, who was like the, um, she won the Oscar for Dakota or for Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you have it's uh who else is in there? T C Ellis who was like one of the first rappers and only rappers signed to Prince. So, you know, it's it's such a Michael Tubbs who's the, the youngest mayor of Stockton and uh, I hope I got everyone. Mm-hmm. Anyone I miss. I really oh Ben Terry who's like one of the greatest cooks uh in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so it's, it's just an incredible book and so I know they're planning on doing tours and things of that nature, but um yeah, it's 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 definitely been a blessing, you know. So you you have a chapter in there, and then you also helped with the art direction, photography, yeah. correct? Well, well, for, yeah, the photography. And they had, like, um, there's a good friend by uh, the name of Jory Titus, who's a good friend of ours, and Hope. They're, they worked on the artwork. So cool. I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible book. And it's getting an amazing response. So That's I'm very great. grateful to see that, you know. What would you, for the listeners, what would you say the singular theme is from 
creative to creative featured in that book. What, what's your takeaway? What theme do you think tracks throughout all the different people? Um, I mean, I, I just, we're all creatives, you know, mm -hmm. and I think what you invest in, I mean, even the thing that's so crazy about the pandemic, it made us vulnerable, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So there's a billion podcasts that came out and I listened to all of them. Like that's <laughs> the crazy thing about it because you, I don't, I didn't even listen to the radio. There's so much, so much, as much as I love music, I like listening to things that's going to feel me and I'm going to learn. That's why I love those drawn to your podcast is um, mm -hmm. just seeing how people that I can relate to, you know, and I think with that vulnerability, no one wants to be alone. And so when you realize, Hey, I'm in a creative space. I mean, when we, we, when all three of us came up, we were like trying to tell the world how important it is to be creative. And they're mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you guys experienced with people like, you're not going to make money doing this. And like, sure. I was determined. I was For like, sure. Oh, watch me, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, and so it's, it's funny, like, um, and, and the amount of opportunities I've had, uh, to be able to, to, you know, help build a legacy for my family and, and support mm -hmm. a lot of people out there by my craft is a beautiful thing, you know? And so, um, I would just encourage people to know that like, Hey, you know, like, don't be afraid to jump in the deep. Like we've been in it for over two decades, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. I feel like we're still learning, you know? So yeah. it's never, never too late. And then the hustle element is just like, look, you get the results that you put into it, you know? So, yeah. Mm. yeah never stop learning i think that's like key yeah exactly that's key yeah. once, you, once you stop learning then you're you're done man it's over yeah what are you even like, doing I, anymore yeah like my i noticed like my favorite photographers all hit their like prime and like when they were 45 oh, you wow. know and and so i i mean this is something i've known since i was a little kid and so i've always looked to you know for the age of 45 so when i you know i, I still got some years on me but yeah. you know when i hit into my like that age i'm really looking forward to like going off and so i've been like preparing and yeah you know making sure that i'm ready because you know you see this massive surge of greatness coming around that age and so i'm trying to make sure i'm ready and i don't miss my my opportunity you know to uh in the game of perspective so and once again that's you having vision and seeing things three, four, five, ten steps ahead, which I think is also important for successful creatives. So props to that and thank you. And thank you, Squint. Yeah, this has been awesome, man. Thank you. You guys are the best. Hey guys, it's Steven again. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode. If you would like to support Beautiful Failures podcast, you can leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you feel like it, share this podcast with a friend you think might enjoy it. Also, we'd love to know what your thoughts are about this conversation. Head over to Instagram, go to at Beautiful Failures Podcast, and comment on the post for this episode. We would love to hear from you. See you in the next one.